Welcome to episode 235 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. This episode is brought to you by Dream Symbols. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we announced a Dream uh, was doing a UK and Ireland clinic tour with their artist Scott Pellegrum. Unfortunately, that has to, had to have been canceled, hopefully rescheduled at a later date. Uh, but you should check out what they're doing. They're going to be hosting some live um, feeds on their Instagram page. So if you go to their, their Facebook page, Dream Symbols on Facebook... Um, there's info about that that is happening. Uh, the first one is happening tomorrow. That is March um, 21st at 7 p.m. Eastern time. They will have product specialist Kent Eberlay there. Um, he will be doing a question and answer about the product and just talking about different dream uh, product lines. So go there if you need some um, more info on some of the, the different dream series. Uh, or if you just want to ask some questions about, you know, whatever you want. So it's a good time to go hang with, with Kent from Dream. Um, I'm assuming they're going to be doing more and more of these. So make sure you follow them on the necessary platforms um, to know. So it's a good chance to reconnect in the virtual world that we're all living in at the moment. Uh, but yeah, dreamsymbols.com. Also, facebook.com slash dreamsymbols. Get all your info there. This episode is also brought to you by The Mallet Cat. By Cat Percussion. So if you go to catpercussion.com, check out the MK Express. That is a new compact, more lightweight version of the classic Mallet Cat. If you're not familiar with the Mallet Cat, it is a MIDI controller that's set up like a xylophone or marimba, so you can play it with mallets. Um, and it has a really sensitive foam um, keys, which they say is called FSR sensing technology, which essentially means it's very dynamic, very responsive. So any dynamic you play, the key is going to respond accordingly. The, the basic Mallet Cat Express is a two-octave design. You can expand it up to four octaves if you want to get into full-scale uh, solo marimba-style repertoire. Or if you just want two octaves to experiment with to write some melodies or work on some different uh, you know, jazz improvisations or standards and that sort of thing, two octaves is probably plenty. Um, so go to, again, catpercussion.com, MK Express. Get more information. Really powerful. Um, but it's also compact. It's 32 inches wide, 11 inches deep, and only uh, two and a half inches high. So it'll it'll fit pretty easily in most studios. I will be doing a full demo on this thing later using their Keytron module. This MIDI controller will work with any MIDI sound module you may have, um, or you can get the Keytron that they offer as well. So go to catpercussion.com, uh, MK Express. Check out the new Malacat Express. Um, yeah, so let's get the show going. Man, I can hear the nature. I can hear the nature in your backyard. I am. Where do you live? In a forest? <laughs> no. I, well, I mean, technically, I guess so. So, yeah, I'm in my uh, my house because I am quarantined officially for the next two weeks at least. So my house juts up with a, a nature preserve. So I have no neighbors on two sides of my house and then neighbors on the rest of the house. So it's perfect. Okay. My drums actually aim into the side of the mountain. That's, uh, now, as your friend, you're at home. I'm at home. 
You have a trillion dollar studio in your basement, and you're still refusing to record yourself on a proper microphone for this. What is the deal? Okay, do we need to go there? How many times has your system crashed? Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> How many times is my Zoom yeah. H2 handy recorder from probably 2012? How many times has the it crashed? Fact- well, first of all, the fact that you have a handheld device that can record on two-inch reel-to-reel tape is amazing. <laughs> I think that's really cool. And whatever squirrel is inside there running that thing. I'm like staring right. at it now. Is it working? Yeah, it's working. All good. <laughs> yeah, this would be the one time, right, as you're bragging about it. Well, it, it is good to see you in a different environment. I got to say, whatever shade of green your walls are is beautiful. Is it uh, green? Never, I don't know. It, I don't it was know. like that when we moved in. We did not paint anything except for the basement. That was the only thing I, that got painted. This is the this is the closest I've ever felt to actually being your friend because I've never been in your house before. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, oh my god! We're well, getting... I'm sure my dogs will be yelling at at the mailman or something here in the next twenty minutes. So love it. Uh, our podcast has had to deal with sounds of Juno for many years, so it is time that we get which uh, dog barks the most. Remy. You only have one. Yeah, Remy's the the mouthy one. He's the guard. Yeah, he's the he's the okay. Roddy Boxer guard dog. So if anything goes by, it's full on rage mode. So it, it'll happen. I guarantee. <laughs> is he named after anything drum related? Remy is named after the band Remy Zero. Really? Yep. But his full name is Remington. I didn't name him, but I like his name Remy. It's pretty cool. That works. That Remy works. Zero. Love it. Remember that band uh, Remy Zero? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Of course. I think I knew one song, but. Cool. (laughs) I think that's exactly how many I know. Uh, That's all I know. Yeah, I I would put them right in that category of the toadies as far as... I know that song. Hey, don't don't laugh. That's how a lot of us learned odd time. That toadies song has some odd time in it. Oh, I hope the toadies drummer... Who was the drummer in the toadies? And I hope you're listening. (laughs) Who was it? Oh, you don't know? You don't know Bill Schmeckenmeyer? (laughs) the toadies that's my dude all right moving on uh so uh weird times i think we can all acknowledge that we're all going through whatever we can do to get through it i can tell you humans are massively resilient uh the 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 chaos i experienced maybe two or three years two or three days ago excuse me at a supermarket the first time that anyone in my town had seen empty shelves uh had kind of subsided within 24 hours the chaos wasn't as bad people like I said, very resilient and they get used to things and people make adjustments. So around here, it feels OK. We're just getting used to the new norm, whatever it is. And I think that's the the biggest thing I could offer to anybody is if you can see this world as a game of chess, you just need to zoom out, see all the pieces and then you know strategize appropriately. And that's all I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make sure that Amber and I don't freak out. We're limiting our time with the news because uh, yeah. if it's you sit at home all day watching news, you can really freak yourself out. Yep. So we get uh, we're we're trying to watch as much local news as we can to just find out what's going on in our town. Are there any new laws? I mean, last night we went into a whole California shutdown thing, so I have to mm-hmm. know that stuff whether I'm allowed legally to go to work or not. Uh, so kind of going through all that. So we have a little bit of news time in the morning. The rest of the day is HGTV because it's all in 2014. And everything's wonderful in Canada. It's all shot in Canada. You know, Everybody's happy. You know, we started rewatching for some random reason. Breaking Bad. <laughs> oh my god! How do we keep our spirits up? Meth dealers. Yeah, we're at the last wow. season. I'm like, man, I can't wait for this to be over so I never watch it ever again. Wow, a little insight into the Dawsons. Yeah. Just dropping the heat on some Breaking Bad. 
Wow. Yeah, we're uh, we're just soaking in the Disney Channel as much as we can and trying to keep our spirits up. The, the good oh, thing, man. If that doesn't explain dogs, the difference between you and I, I don't know what does. <laughs> I know, right? Dogs help. Dogs have no clue. Oh, yeah. So no, they're, exactly they just the need their treats, and they they got to do their business. And other than that, everything's good. Yeah. How are you doing, man? You know, it's it, what's well, a weird transition because now Modern Drummer is officially remote for the next foreseeable future. Right. And we were also making sort of a transition into that kind of a mode anyway with some new upgrades for our our internal system and stuff. So, you know, my I've got my entire office here on my kitchen table, which is really actually not too difficult to manage, but still strange. I don't I, I want to work at home, but at the same time just the little routines that I have, like even just setting up for the podcast, I don't have my printout so the emails here. Right. I don't have a printer anymore. Like little things like that. <laughs> Or just kind of strange. I don't have a printer, but the fact that I can go downstairs and just hit my drums now at any point in, during the day is pretty. Yeah. I mean, there's a silver lining. It's that for sure. Yeah, I think that this is the time. If you're stuck at home, you can freak out. That's up to you. I, I can't tell you not to. Or you can just be like, I can't change that. So let me be as productive as possible. I want to mm-hmm. emerge out of this thing. The you know a much better drummer, a much better musician. Uh, want to have better sanitary habits and maybe wash my hands once a day. And uh, <laughs> I've been doing uh, doing live Facebook streams as a first time. I'd, I'd never done it before. Oh, not, oh, okay. not Facebook, Instagram. And I decided to do it because one, I think it's just kind of fun to give people who have nothing to do. They see that notice that someone's live and you can right. watch me practice for 10 minutes if that's your thing. But also it keeps me on in that performance mode. I don't want to get like out of that edge of like, what's it feel like to have to turn it on and go? Because right. I know when we first get back to that first gig, it's going to be like, how does this happen? What do we do? Oh, man. <laughs> you know? I, I mean, gigs, think about sports. Like somebody's like, well, when are they going to pick up the NBA season? I'm like, do you know how gassed these players would be if they haven't played in two months? Yeah, they're going to And you're be just going to start the playoffs? It's going to be amateur. Blowing league. knees every <laughs> <laughs> Achilles tendons hanging from the hoops. It'll be insane. What about fighters? I mean, imagine About, the first mixed martial arts fight. Oh, there's going to yeah, be no. like just wounds <laughs> opening up left and right. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, I'm glad we're taking it in stride. Uh, yeah, I think if you're stuck at home, it, it's a great time to practice. This entire episode is going to be dedicated to that. We want you guys to know how to practice properly, or at least have a a way to practice properly. I think some people are just really good at practicing naturally, and some people feel like every time they sit down at the drum set they could have gotten more out of it but they just got sidetracked with their own minds and their own th- their own mind their own thoughts and I want to make sure that you guys have a little bit of guidance in that um mikeslessons.com a few weeks ago started these virtual practice sessions and it's all based around the four stage practice method and if you don't know what the virtual practice session is it's pretty simple it's just almost like what mike said you're just practicing with me we do have a timer on the screen. It is all based around the four-stage practice method. But the most important thing is that you know that you and a couple thousand drummers around the world are all practicing together at the exact same time. And that level of especially having that group vibe in a time of isolation can be really helpful. So mm-hmm. that's why we're doing that. We have one tonight at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And if you're part of the Mike's Lessons family, then obviously you can see that. Now, one thing I will say is... <clears throat> The reason I'm not streaming them at the moment on Instagram or Facebook, and the reason I'm also not archiving them for the Mike's Lessons family is because as soon as I do that, I can actually be myself 
while live streaming in front of the Mike's Lessons family. Mm-hmm. I can actually do that. I can't do that on Instagram. I will be performing, not practicing. And it defeats the whole purpose of me saying we're practicing together. Yeah. Because I'm not really practicing. I'm performing while you're practicing. Yes. You're, you're right? pretending to practice. I'm, I'm only playing the things I can crush. <laughs> right. Now, when I do it with the Mike's Lessons family, I feel comfortable enough that I am actually truly practicing. I'm train wrecking everything. I've instructed them. They don't have to do this. But I say, all right, guys, our new timer is starting now. Turn your volumes down. And watch the timer to know when your time is run out. And then you can turn the volume back up and we'll talk again. Mm. I'm trusting that they're turning their volume down, but I'm sure some of them aren't. And they're just like, oh, I wonder what Mike's actually practicing. And it's it's not a fun watch. I mean, I'm truly practicing and cussing and freaking out and throwing <laughs> things around the room. But I, I, I wouldn't be able to do that. And, I, and that's why I also don't want it archived. It's like if I know that we're going to put it in an archive where people can watch it a million times – I'm I'm going to perform. So that being said, let's talk about the four stage practice method and practice in general. You and I have discussed this on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. The four stage practice method is like many things in education, which is a way to put a name on things that most people are already doing. There's nothing inventive about the four stage practice method. It's me taking a general practice and just giving it a name so that people that are a little bit confused that have never practiced an art form have some form of structure. So inside the four stage practice method, each stage, I think technically represents something that most of us already do. Stage one is what I call non-creative and I'll explain that later, but you can think of that as warming up. Stage two is creative. You can think of that as jamming. Stage three is main focus. You can think of that as practicing new material and stage four is practical application. And you can think of that as putting your, the things you've practiced along to music. I think most people probably do that inside of an hour-long practice session. Yeah, um, but the, but probably not equally distributed as you're kind of implying. Right, and I, we need to talk about that too, the, the time restraints and the time limits. Um, so let's just go down this uh, stage by stage, and I want to talk to you about if, if I forced you into this practice method, what would you do for these stages? And maybe we okay. can give our listeners some options as well. So stage one, non-creative. To break that down, it really means something you can already do. You are not allowed to work on something you can't do. This has to be something you can do, but you wish you could play it cleaner, faster, more precision, maybe more dynamic control. So a good example would be single strokes. I don't know a human being on the planet, including the great Carter McLean, that can't get some work out of 10 minutes of single strokes right now. Mm. Um, So now what would not be... A stage one practice would be single strokes around the kit for creativity. It's like, no, no, no. I don't want your brain active. I want your body active. Mm, okay. So does that make sense? It does. It does. Okay. So what would a stage one exercise be for you right now in your personal development? So, okay. I'm going to try to think not hypothetically what I actually do every day. Cause I, I, as you were saying the different stages, I was like, okay, what would I put in that spot? And what would I put in this spot? So I think the non-creative for me is every day I play through at least three rudimental solos that I have memorized with the knockbox metronome. So I'm working on maintaining an internal pulse and just the technique of playing these things, which are 100% memorized. I don't have to think about them at all. I'm Perfect. just refining them and, and getting them cleaner. And You wish they were better. Yeah. There's always like a, the a drag metronome. or a is the one that drops out every once in a while? Yeah, it plays like um, it's like a sequence. So it'll give you quarter notes for two bars, half notes for two bars, whole notes for two bars, and then starts over. 
So got it. You can't really rely on it. You just have to check in with it rather than. Perfect. You know, so it's it's focusing. Yeah, I'm kind of combining like main focus and and stage one warm up. But I would say that's my like just play through stuff that I know by rote every single day and just get it better. Yeah. No, that's perfect. I, I mean, <clears throat> it could be really anything. If if you are somewhat new to the drums, maybe it's left hand lead basic pop beat. Mm-hmm. Ten minutes straight. Doom, doom, cha, doom, 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 cha. No variations. Just allow your left hand to develop. Allow your left hand to get as much work as your right hand's been getting since the day you started this instrument. Um, the last Instagram challenge I put up is a great stage one non-creative warm-up. It's two beats worth of 16th notes around the drum set, followed by two beats worth of that exact same orchestration, but you put the bass drum in between it. So those are things where it's like, I don't have to think about it, but every fourth bar, I'm pretty PO'd at how sloppy it is. So I'm spending 10 minutes just wishing that was cleaner and tighter. Now the 10 minute duration of that practice part of stage one, that is totally up to you. There's no reason it, that's a minimum. If you want to extend that because you feel like you're really starting to understand a double stroke roll or your five, five, nines, I don't care. Like mm-hmm. go as long as you want with that. But 10 minutes minimum. The whole point of this, and like I said, this is the part that just relates to almost everything in life that you're trying to get better at. This is warming up. You're just warming up your body to make sure you physically don't get hurt mm-hmm. if you turn this into a three-hour practice session. So right. uh, that's stage one. Uh, stage two is creative. Now – Okay. Creative is the tough one because n- very few people know how to be creative with any type of structure. So they sit down and kind of jam, but then they think they suck because they don't know how to improvise or jam, mm-hmm. and then they give up on it. So what would a good stage two exercise be for you? This would be 90% of my practice time these days. So what um, I do every single day. So again, I'm kind of like blurring stage one, stage two with okay. this stuff, and I guess even stage three. But I have all these rules of stickings. So it could be singles with some right hand doubles, singles with some left hand doubles, singles with right or left hand doubles. You can accent all the right, you can accent some of the right, you can accent all the left, you can accent some of the left. So I have this, all these combinations of rules. I put them in, I have an app called Lucky Raffle. So it just spits out a random one. So it'll be singles and left hand doubles, accent all the rights. Okay. And I just turn on my metronome starting out at like 100, and I just improvise within those rules. So I have to stick to those rules, but I can play whatever I want with a metronome in four-bar phrases. Beautiful. And I think that that's the key to practicing any kind of improvisation is you have to have some form of structure. I mean, unless you're just a true artist and you just see, you know, we've talked about our uh, featured artists that see the world in colors and shapes. That's great. Yeah. I wish I could. I wish I just got hit in the head with like a small ball peen hammer. And all of a sudden I was like purple. <laughs> tinkle, tinkle, but you tink. know, even then at some point they said, Oh, that's a quarter note. Let me just be creative with a quarter note. Oh, that's a totally. double stroke. Let me just be creative with double strokes. Absolutely. You couldn't, and I, no one could come out saying I'm going to be Vinny and I'm going to just be creative with every possible subdivision, every possible stick and every possible accent. Right. Placement, Without possible. even knowing what they are, you have yeah, to have the vocabulary to speak. And I've, I've never heard a great poet that didn't know a language. So you can't just go out there and be eloquent. <laughs> I was like thinking, how would you do that? You'd be a mime. Right? 
<laughs> oh goodness gracious! Genre, uh, mime poetry. <laughs> Sorry, I never learned a language, but I can't tell you that because I never learned a language. Here's my mime. Okay, so I think that stage two can be as simple as you want it to be. Please don't make this too difficult. I think one of the best things that people can do, especially if you're somewhat new to the instrument or even if you've been playing the instrument for a long time, but you're new to improvising, and that that is me. I didn't improvise at all on the instrument until maybe eight years ago when I joined a duo with a guy that had studied with Wayne Krantz. Mm. And he was he was like, no, 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 just make it up. I'm like, why don't you just write down what you want me to do? <laughs> and so I'm new to improvising. So I would say trading fills in 4-4, great creative exercise. If mm. you can play for 10 minutes, one bar groove and make up a fill. And it'll only take you about five to six fills to get through your you know, low hanging fruit fills that are just get you out of trouble fills. And then you'll have to actually improvise and make stuff up because you'll get bored. Um, And one great thing that can happen in that process, and maybe this happens to you, Mike, while you're improvising, but if I'm trading fills, let's say that I just want to get comfortable trading fills in nine. I can, I can trade fills all day in seven, Mm. but you can put me in nine and I'll play in four, four every time. (laughs) I just, it's, it's only because of the hours. I have not put enough hours into nine. So if I was trading fills in nine and I stumbled upon something I couldn't do, but I wanted it so bad and I could almost grab it, I write that down and I move that into main focus. Yes, totally. I do not want to waste my time doing that right now. This is not the time. I'm trying to be creative, but I do. I'm like, ooh, I got to remember to do that later today. Yeah, I do that or, or I might just pause for a minute to figure out what is the physical thing that's hanging me up and then yep. move on. Back to it. So improvising, stage two, being creative. There's a lot of things you can do. Trade fills with yourself. Trade fours with yourself. Um, Oh, and by the way, there's something in between that. You can trade twos. It is legal. Just because you never hear anybody talk about it, you're allowed to play for two bars of groove and two bars of fill before you jump to fours. Uh, My last stage two practice um, that we did the other day on one of our virtual practice sessions was improvise in 16th note triplets Mm. at 70 BPM. Could I go 10 minutes without one hang up while not trying to play the get out of jail free patterns that I could play for an hour? Mm-hmm. I was truly trying to improvise. And I, I would say the max I got was about 20 to 25 seconds. While <laughs> Before what happened? You just like seized up? Choked. Or, yeah. yeah. Or, or just maybe got to a sticking that I couldn't get myself out of mm-hmm. because it's funny. I could go that same tempo, 30 second notes, which is technically quite a bit faster and be fine forever because I'm more familiar in groups of fours. And, but as soon as you put me in the world of triplets, I just don't have the vocabulary to reach for. And so once again, I could just play paradiddle diddle and double paradiddles around the kit for 10 minutes. No problem. But I'm trying to truly speak in the moment in that subdivision. And yeah, I'm not there yet. So man, have you thought about, this is probably a little bit too to meta but have you thought about what's going through your head when all this stuff is happening like I Absolutely. often think about what is if I can detach myself from the mechanics of playing which I think is mm-hmm. what all my my what you would call I guess stage one practice is doing it's getting those mechanics so automatic that I I don't ever have to think about the nuance of the stickings anymore right. and to be able to just observe myself from above <laughs> I feel like it opens up like I don't I have fewer uh, train wrecks because 
I don't, I'm yeah. not worried about how I'm going to get out of it because I know my hands are going to figure out the solutions. So and now I'm thinking about what's the architecture of the whole freaking thing. Well, I think what's going on for me is that when I think of 16th notes, 32nd notes, even 32nd notes in groups of six are still more comfortable to me or 16th notes in groups of six, mm. one E and a two E and a three E and that's more comfortable to me than playing one bar of 16th note triplets. So I've spent so much of my time in that vocabulary that what happens when I'm playing, if I'm improvising in 16th notes and 32nd notes, I I don't, there are no stickings. I just sing mm-hmm. and it all comes out of me naturally. But when I look at the, my past, I probably have thousands of patterns in my past in that world. Then when I try to sing in 16th note triplets, all of a sudden I have seven patterns instead of thousands. Mm. And that's why I can't sing that world. And oh, I, I really, okay. so, so the, is the it real the thing restriction is of the three. That's like this constant three, 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 three. Like, I think it's, yeah. I mean, I'm trying my, the reason why I keep saying 16th note triplets is I'm trying to feel it in bigger groups of six. I don't mm. want it to have this bucket, the bucket, it's, you know, I want it to be a little bit more free. And it's just, when I think back to it, I think of my sticking patterns. Let's say I have a, a thousand sticking patterns in 16th notes mm. in, in, in 16th note triplets. I have paradiddle diddle and double paradiddle. Now, I, now I, yes, Remy, that's what I'm talking about. At least someone gets it. He's, he's like, like, yeah, the dog pound. He's like, don't forget the bembe. Don't forget the bembe. So, and obviously I'm underselling my vocabulary, but I'm just saying there it's, it's not vast. And so for me, it's it's going into main focus and learning more triplet vocabulary so that I can forget it and then just speak. Mm. Man, that's so yeah, we can't forget the way to talk about your song because that kind of hits on that very thing of getting fluid with absolutely. the three to six to what else would it be? Nine? Could you possibly I don't know what how you're feeling it. Well, and there's the uh the B section is in four four. So if you want to <laughs> jump into that real quick, uh since uh well, actually that's a segue into main focus. So my main focus and main focus should be something that you are currently working on. It's something you're chipping away. So let's just recap real quick. Stage one, non-creative. This is something you can do. It does not take thought and it does not take improvisational creativity. You you can do it. You just wish you could do it cleaner, faster, more control. Stage two, you're being creative. You're You're improvising. You're making stuff up. You're trying to warm up your brain. Stage three is main focus. Main focus is 25 minutes before you have to take a break. That's based off of the Pomodoro method. It's the amount of time that the brain can handle brand new information. You can do that stage as many times as you want, but you should take a break every 25 to 30 minutes just to let your brain soak in what you just did. So my stage three main focus for the last three times has been tracking the demo for our newest song, which you and I talked mm-hmm. about. Was it last episode? Is I that our so. intro? Eh, yeah, I so can't remember what what day is maybe it? Maybe last episode or yeah, I don't know. <laughs> a lot's been changing every twenty four hours. Um, so in that, we talked about how you felt that in six, yes. and I was saying how I felt it in three. And but if you just listen to only the part that we showed in the podcast, it it is six just because of how I'm displaying the backbeat. Yes, so right? like a slow six, like almost like a blues yeah. six. Really slow right. six. Um, so this song just kind of takes shape and, and it was using that rhythmic illusion in the beginning of one and two and three and one, 
So that became the pulse on the ride symbol. And you get lulled into thinking this is the pulse, but it's not. And then I jump into one and a two and three and one and a two and three and. And then from there, I give it a big fat backbeat on what I'm considering to be the one of the second bar. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, which gives you the feeling of one, two, three, four, five, six. The reason we're telling you all this is I showed Mike the song earlier before we started this podcast. And I said, listen to the second version of the A section. So we kind of go intro, A section, B section in, in like a halftime 4-4, four, four, and then back to the A section. Well, that original A section that I clearly play in 3-4, that was the first thing we ever wrote. So when it came time to change the first A section, I just I felt it as like a halftime thing, which kind of made it feel like this big six. Mm. So you want to play the song, let it fade out, and then talk about it? Yeah. Um, where do we want to start? Do you want to give away the, the, the big reveal first or start with the beginning? Uh, let's just start with the beginning. Okay. See what happens. the perception didn't change but i've realized that i've spent so much time working on the three against two polyrhythm that mm-hmm. they're subconscious so i'm able to kind of just kind of change my view am i looking at the two side am i looking at the three side and hear it both ways right. but i think the underlying thing for me is it's just quarter note 
However you want right. to group it, it's a quarter note. It could be three, it could be six, it could be whatever. Totally. Yeah. It, um, and, I mean, the, the quarter note doesn't change even when we go into the halftime 4-4. Four, four. I mean, obviously, that mm-hmm. just becomes the eighth note. But then, back to what we were talking about for creative, that entire 4-4 four, four section is triplet-based. Mm-hmm. But the pulse still um, stays. Yeah, you're still thinking yes. this the whole time. Well, yeah, the metronome never changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did in, in Pro Tools, like, switch it to 4-4, four, four, just so I didn't have to fight that, like, one, yeah, like, not now. Right. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, the tempo is the same the entire time. So we've got this set. I think uh, it's just 120. The whole entire song is 120. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, one. And then eventually it's one, two, three, four, one, two, three. And then back to two, three. So, um, so yeah, so it's just something that I think for, as far as getting back to our practice thing that we were talking about, uh, by the way, guys, we're not trying to sell anything here. You can't even download this. This is a demo made with two <laughs> microphones. The one thing I will sell is the two mic technique. The fact that we can demo stuff with two mics is awesome. Oh, by uh, the way, I know. did a two mic, uh, set up for our sugar snared. So I tried to mimic your setup as close as I could. So that's so cool. You guys are about to. You guys are going to get some candy with sugar. That's amazing. (laughs) I've only been saying that for two hundred something episodes, and now you actually get candy with sugar. Uh, Okay, so that was. Let's let's go into main focus. Stage three. My main focus was my top priority. My top priority is getting these demos done for my band. So Mm. instead of sitting down and opening up a book, I used my twenty five minutes to track this song. Mm-hmm. Over and over and over again. Uh, I will say that I I'll get you guys the name of it, but I have a oh it's called Log Me In. So Log Me In is the app that I use on my iPad, which allows me to control my desktop from the drum set. So Ooh. I literally just I'm doing Pro Tools here by myself. Wait, so um, it gives you like a mirrored screen? Yeah, and a mouse and everything with your finger, and you what? just so I just click stop, record, play back to the end of the track, and I just do it. I'm punching myself in and everything. That's amazing. I've been. I have a. I have a wireless keyboard, so I can do most of my recording controls with that. But mm-hmm. when I'm setting my preamps, my virtual preamps, I can't see what the heck the freaking yeah. thing from like ten yeah, feet away on the screen. It, it actually gives you like a little tiny mouse on the screen that you can right click and left click and. What uh, I gotta get that? Yeah, that's my pick of the uh, week. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> log me in. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up to make sure I have like their website. But log me in is. Uh, it, so you just turn that on on your computer. So usually when I go traveling, I just leave that on on my computer. That way, if I'm in a hotel and I'm like, oh, I need that file in Dropbox, I just I'm, what? you know, in Germany and I just there you go. Holy smokes. 21st century quarantine central. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I'm telling you, I've been prepping for this time for over a decade. <laughs> I got this stuff down. All right. So main focus, what would your current main focus be? If I, if I said, Mike, you have 25 minutes to practice right now, what would that be? Um, drums. It would be, I mean, again, not trying to think hypothetically, it is turning on the, the live feed and, just can I perform? Can I perform Beautiful. and not be, you know, not feel like I'm strangling myself? I mean, I don't yeah. know if that really counts. That would be one thing. And if I'm actually practicing, I don't have a lot of like time to just work on new stuff anymore. But it's, it's I think you do now. Yeah, <laughs> we shall see. You <laughs> know what? Probably not the- I would put bass guitar in that category. Okay, because I'm Perfect. just learning arpeggios and scales and positions and stuff mm-hmm. a little bit every day on the bass guitar. I think that's awesome. Uh, now, before we get to 
stage four, I want to piggyback on what Mike just said. I used the same practice method for the last two and a half years while trying to get better at making videos. So Mm. stage one for me was to actually just go out and do very basic things that I already knew how to do, but they're never perfect. So color correction, I would just Mm. go to a cafe and just shoot uh, right right upstairs. We have Karen's bakery. I'd go in there and just shoot like a little uh, shot of their muffins. And then I'd come downstairs and be like, did I nail the exposure? Did I nail the color correction? Mm. Did I get all this stuff down? Stage two is being creative. So I would go out and try to do as many transitions uh, pan transitions, zoom transitions, dolly transitions, all in camera. I'd be as creative as I could with my transitions. Can I tor- tell a story from one shot to the next? Then main focus might be something like me setting up a new background in a place I've never been. Like if I was just dropped off in this parking garage, where would I shoot? Can I see the angles? Can I see how this should be? And then stage four, which we're about to get to is practical application. How would I actually do this for myself? So this isn't something where you have to keep it to drums or obviously Mike can use it for bass. You could use it for any instrument, but you could mm. use it for making better videos too. anything mm. you want to get better Mixing, at. Okay. Audio recording, engineering, tuning. Of course. Oh my gosh. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You could do the swimming. Okay. So stage four, this is where I think there's quite a bit of wiggle room. So we're back. So stage one was 10 minutes. Stage two was 10 minutes. Stage three is the one that you can do as many times as you want, but you need to do it in chunks of 25 minutes if you want to get the most out of it. And stage four is back to a 10-minute chunk, and those are obviously minimums. Uh, But this is practical application, also musical application. So this can be, like I said, there's some wiggle room here. You can say, okay, I practiced this thing during my practice session, and I want to see if I can apply it to music. And a good example of that would be how many of you out there can play an exercise out of David Garibaldi's Future sounds with a metronome. Probably a lot of you. How many of you can do that with Tower of Power? Probably Mm -hmm. not a lot of you. Once you start hearing all those syncopated horn parts and all the dynamics, and I'm not saying, I'm saying drumless track. Could you do it then? Could you play that same exercise inside music when all these things are flying at you besides a metronome? And that's something that people leave out all the time. Like, oh, I practiced this really hard. It's like you never put it to music. Mm -hmm. You got on the gig, assumed this groove was just going to show up but you've only played it with a metronome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I created a loop station. So I mean, that's um, your life, yeah, right? Um, that is the that is the one and only objective of that, is to give myself a real-world scenario that doesn't have any crutches that I can't use in the real world. So no clicks, no quantizing. It's just loop something that I play with no reference to tempo and then can I play along with it regardless of how wonky the actual loop starting and stop might be. If it's super crazy, I'll stop and do it again. But sure. It's usually, you know, within a sixty fourth note, so I have to kind of swim a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's just like playing with real people. So anything that I'm practicing, I then apply immediately with turn on your wave drum or whatever, hit the loop pedal, and now just groove over it. Try to make music with it. Yeah. So the other, and I wonder if you've ever done this, because you are definitely more of a gigging drummer than I am, or at least in the past 10 years, all I've been doing is teaching for the most part. The other way to see stage four is put on something that you don't know, a song, an actual song with drummer and everything, and try to the best you can to audition for that artist. So if I just put on Mm -hmm. right now, Willie Nelson, for you it's like don't shed over it 
try to audition for Willie Nelson. Have you ever done that before where you just put on music and it's like, how close can I play to this? Yeah. I mean, that I would was, assume you must have, right? Yeah. That was the bulk of my um, post high school practice was trying to sound exactly like whoever I wanted to sound like, whoever it may be. Yeah. And I think that's overlooked for how really valuable it is because you learn so much about spacing and touch and dynamics and phrasing. I mean, the first time I played along with Max Roach, I had no idea how far ahead of the beat he was and how far behind the beat I was. Wow. It was like this okay. is not even, it was a universe of separation between us. Right. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Well, I think the other thing that happens when you do that, especially in the pop rock world, for young drummers, and by young, I obviously mean how long you've been playing the instrument, you realize, oh, I thought there was more fills in music. It's like, no, there's three <laughs> yeah. in the entire song. Like, because you're you're putting in one every fourth bar because you're in practice mode. That's why practical application is so important. It's like, oh wait, these fills are only showing up when there's a major change in the music. And it teaches you about okay, you've practiced a ton of stuff, but you don't know how to use it yet. Yeah, and it's so important to get that practice in and really be able to do that. Uh, we also all have so much of availability to, like you said, loop apps. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you even if you don't want to build a full loop station, you can find a loop app and press like a blue square and two green squares and, and it'll create something. a loop for yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything you that my, doesn't uh, have the old experience cowbell. with the loop world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, I mean, seriously, like, especially if it says like pads, I'm like, okay, cool pads. And it just gives me an environment, like you said, to yeah. create inside of it and, and see if I can keep this stuff going. So that's our four stage practice method. This is not something that I think is the best way to practice. It's just one of the many ways to practice. And if you're somebody that needs a little bit of structure, that will really help. So, Cool. We uh, need to pause and thank our sponsors. So we've got um, Dream Symbols sponsoring this episode. Um, If you've been following along, I think it was two weeks ago, we announced that they had a clinic tour coming up with Scott Pellegrum. Unfortunately, everything is on pause um, in the entire world at the moment. But they are doing some live feeds. So if you're listening today on the 20th, um, tomorrow on the 21st at 7 p.m. Eastern time, they are doing a live stream on Instagram with their product specialist, Kent. So definitely follow them. Check them out on Facebook, Instagram. Um, you know, they're probably going to be doing a lot of these type of events, just hanging out, asking questions about the product. So, yeah, check them out, Dream Symbols. Thank you guys for being a loyal sponsor of this podcast. Uh, we also have um, Mallet Cat. So, Mallet Cat Express. I have one of these suckers in my studio. So, do you remember the Mallet Cat from years ago? The yeah. big, yeah. So it's the big one. Yeah. So this is a more lightweight version. It's a two octave MIDI controller that looks like a xylophone, and it can be expanded to four octaves. Um, and it has what do they call it? FSR sensing technology, which basically translates into really detailed dynamic response. Um, so check them out. It is the website is catpercussion.com slash MK Express. That will give you that keyboard. Um, I have again I have that here. We'll be reviewing it in full in a later episode. There's also a sound module that's available called the Ken Keytron module. Um, so if you're cooped up at home and you want to revisit some of your four mallet technique or learn how to play jazz vibes. This is a great option. Um, it's it's definitely much smaller than a, a, a an analog vibraphone or marimba, 
check it out. It's 32 inches by 11 inches by two and a half, and it only weighs nine pounds. So you get two octaves of keyboard um, in a pretty compact setup. Again, we'll be returning to this soon once I remember how to play scales. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks, Cat. Go to catpercussion.com. Check out the Mallet Cat Express. That's super fun. I will be utilizing some of my Stage 3 practice time. For there, one you that there you go. Uh, before we get into the sugar thing, uh, somebody just sent me a message on Instagram, a DM. Uh, so I put up in my story, like, hey, get outside. That's one thing we can do, especially if you're doing it by yourself. And I was just cycling yesterday. And it wasn't because I was trying to be healthy. I just got – it's weird. I've been in a room by myself for over a decade. But when, <laughs> when, but when the world tells me I have to, I start to bug out a little bit. So uh, I was like – I'm All right, sushi, I'm going out. Dang it. <laughs> yeah, totally. I was like, come on, man. Uh, so anyway, so I, I was like, all right, I'm just going to take a ride. Did a little video of it, put it up in my Instagram story. Some guy was like, hey, man, show me your outfit, a cyclist. And I was like, oh, I'll show you my outfit. It's a uh, regular old gym shorts and a T-shirt. I'm not wearing that spandex bull crap. Just because I have a nice cycling bike, I'm not. I'm not. It's not happening. Um, and so he just said this. Look. If you want to play paradiddles like a pro, you'll have to get real sticks instead of using chopsticks. That's not a, well, he said, uh, that's not a brand that I won't say joke. That's just me trying to convince you to get the right gear by talking to you in drummer speak. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, no, I'm not wearing spandex. Take that. It's never happening. I don't care. You're not going to have a casual bike ride with any more enjoyment, whether you're wearing gym shorts or spandex. Dog, I'm about. To, <laughs> I'll do it. Are you racing suit. someone? I mean, what is totally? Going on? I no. It's not. <laughs> I'm not because the thing is, I don't care about the time on the bike. It's the time walking at the bottom of my parking lot to my studio where I see an ex girlfriend. She's like, "Hey, Mike, well, spandex and, and that dumb looking helmet. <laughs> I got my neon green helmet and my my Oakley blades. Hey, how you doing, Francesca?" Good to see you again. Oh, is that your husband? He's ripped. Like, no, oh, hell no. Man. By the way, I never dated anybody named Francesca. You don't have to mention that to Amber. <laughs> Moving on, let's talk about candy. You and I, you and I both. Own- I don't even know what just happened in the past two minutes. <laughs> you and I both own a sugar percussion <laughs> snare drum. I'll use your lingo. Mine is a six by fourteen. What is yours? Six by fourteen. All right, and this is the one that you made. This is the one that I made. It is a uh, stave Alaskan yellow cedar drum, six by fourteen. I guess it's six by fourteen. I might have oversanded it. It might be like five and seven <laughs> five eight. and seven eight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you have that. I have something made out of a very different wood that Jefferson made for me upon my request to dispel the myth that uh, that stave shell drums are bad. That was that was my Mm-hmm. misconception but i also wanted to find out well what's it like when you get one made by a true craftsman because i'd only experienced lower end cheaper stave drums so i had jefferson pick what he wanted to do and he ended up getting me a four uh excuse me six by 14 <laughs> it's uh, all he, the same it's all the same and on social media it's 14 by six i i go hard on that <laughs> i use hashtags 14 by six not six by 14 anyways it's a 6x14 African mahogany snare drum. I would assume you and I both have the exact same hardware on our drums. Yep, right? they should be virtually identical. Okay. The heads are so, different. I have a, right. I have a no. coded ambassador on mine. 
Okay, so you and I both have single-ply coated heads. Yes, yep. No muffling whatsoever. Yep. Uh, so what we did was, since we have the same drum and we both own the TuneBot, we said, let's see what these drums sound like together. Let's see how different they are. You went with a two-mic setup. I have a two-mic setup. And mm-hmm. I just sent Mike a groove, told him what tempo it was. Uh, and he tell me what happened once you received the sound file from me. Um, we'll back up a second to give everyone the the context. I asked you for your tuning bot settings once you got it where you wanted it, which you came back with me at 335 hertz at the tension rods of the batter head. Right. We didn't discuss the bottom head. I'm just assuming it's tight. <laughs> it was just tight. Yeah, <laughs> okay. that's exactly it. So I matched, I matched that with my drum, um, and then I swapped out my overhead mic for a blue uh, dragonfly, I think. Okay. It was, so it's a large diaphragm condenser by blue. Let me just confirm that's the um, blue dragonfly. Of course, I Google that and I get insects. Yes, it is the blue dragonfly mic, which is a large diaphragm condenser. I placed it. I don't know, maybe if I'm standing up, it would have been right at my nose. Yep, that's um, about right. Yeah, right above the bass drum pedal. That's exactly the where kit. mine is. And then the second mic is in front of the bass drum, probably four and a half inches away from the front head. Beautiful. So I tried to mimic your setup as best as I could. Obviously, we're in different rooms, different players. Um, so you sent me your audio. The first thing I did was listen to your dynamic level and the groove. Okay. So then I just dropped your file into my session and tried to play as close to the same dynamic and at the same vocabulary that you were using, expecting it to be like, oh, we can go from Mike Johnson's drum and listen to that. And how drastic is it going to sound when we hear the cedar drum and the mahogany drum and the cedar drum? My conclusion is the only difference is the two people playing them. Really? Mm. Yeah. I, I hate when that ends up being the thing. I wonder this, though. I wonder if we were in the same room and, and had both snares on the kit. I wonder if there's a feel difference. 100% there is a feel. I know for sure, because when I was at the workshop, he had the cedar, the mahogany, and the cherry tuned the same way, pretty close to where we ended up tuning them, which is, I would consider it tight. It's pretty tight. Yes. Yeah. And it was night and day to go from the cherry to the cedar. It was like, hitting something, something's punching you in the face versus something that's like patting you on the back. Even though they were exactly go. the same tuning and everything. Mm. So the feel is very different. Yeah. Which I think right, is just so as important do, as the sound, really. How does it make you feel well, when you play Well, I completely agree, especially if we're saying that the sound is pretty similar. Yeah. And shouldn't you pick the one that makes that, that gives you the most enjoyment to play it? Because mm-hmm. um, there's definitely kits that I've played. I've, I always used to say when I, I have no experience with modern day uh, Yamaha or Pearl or anything, but I remember just how much my sound guys loved my Yamahas, but I didn't enjoy playing them at the time. Mm-hmm. But the sound that they projected, the microphones loved it. The sound guy was like, never buy another drum set. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not having as much fun <laughs> as I want it to be. <laughs> but, and then I'd, I'd see like a Carter Beaufort video and I'd be like, okay, never mind. It's awesome. Well, I that that is a good argument for why you should have a weird, vibey vintage kit at home because that's going to make you just. It's just, you're just going to feel, feel better playing it. <laughs> you just are. Totally agree. <laughs> totally agree. All right. So we're going to listen to this thing where 
you played over the top of me and you're kind of just coming in and out of my drumming or how does how did no, it it's work? 100% so the first crescendo the first measure of crescendo is just your drum mm-hmm. and then I jump in and just double it so I'm playing over top of you and then when there's a gap you'll hear I play double time like like eight sixteenth notes however you're counting it so sure. if you're playing eighth notes I play a couple sixteenth notes you can kind of hear the two drums you play the first measure with by yourself I layer on top for a couple measures and then I play by myself then you kick off the groove for four bars I think and then I just jump in literally trying to play trying to become you so I'm trying to mimic what you're doing and just adding a little extra snare hits here and there to kind of fill it out so when you play a fill I'm kind of backing off and then maybe during the, the parts where you're playing a groove, I might add a couple extra accents. I didn't hit any rim shots, I don't think, until the end. Um, again, the goal was, uh, the original plan was I'm going to mute you and then mute me. And then we're going to go back and forth. But I was kind of like, you know what? I just like these on top of each other because you can't tell who's who. Right. Now, one well, of us is in the left. One of us is in the right channel. But it just sounds like the same person playing it's our first virtual jam (laughs) right i'm excited all right well let's give it a listen That was so much fun that we were like jamming together. I just didn't know it was going to happen. <laughs> so just so you guys know, when I sent that to Mike, the original plan was that he would kind of copy my groove and we would just mute back and forth, just like he explained. Mm. Um, but it was really cool just to hear it go in and out. Uh, and I think that actually we tuned the drums the same. Mm-hmm. You said when you were listening to the samples they or the sound files, they sound the same individually. I think you can actually really hear the difference in our rooms. Oh yeah, yeah. You got more low end happening. That I, I had to had to do a tiny little bit of scooping just to balance them out. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, that was that was really really fun. So I guess at the end we decide that these are awesome drums. I mean, 
I think I think the moral of the story for me is if you're shopping for a high-end drum, shop for a craftsman versus the type of drum. Like, who makes the drums that you like? Because they're all going to be kind of the same vibe. Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I was shocked at how similar they were. But I think the feel thing just can't be overlooked. If you like the way a drum feels, then you're just going to play it better. Um, and you're just going to play it with more fun and you're going to like it more. So we should, uh, trade, always, we should trade those drums. I should send you mine and you send me yours and we'll do it again. Yeah. <laughs> see what I think happens. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Count me in. Count me in. Count modern drummer in for the shipping and we are ready to go. <laughs> All right. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. And I hope you guys got a lot out of the practice stuff. Now it is time to get to some listener questions. It is. So Mike doesn't have physical paper anymore. I don't know. It's pretty weird. So this one is from Tobias. Um, um, would you consider a solid ply snare as an all-around snare? My reason is if I spent um, a bunch of money on a professional plywood snare, uh, I could save a, or, yeah, I'm sorry, this is not completely making sense. Um, okay, let me start over. In three, two. <laughs> okay, so he's saying he could spend a certain amount of money for a professional plywood snare or save up and get something solid like from solid drum company in switzerland um, any thoughts or ideas does a solid show have to have any does it have any drawbacks compared to a ply show maybe not as versatile too loud or whatever so the question is would you consider a solid ply snare an all-around snare okay one i think our last segment was really helpful in this that a good drum is going to be a good drum sound wise yeah. you'll be able yeah. to make it sound good one thing that is very confusing to a lot of people is that money does not equal sound Mm-mm. at all. Nope. Money equals effort and cost that went into it yep. and man hours um, or person hours. So don't be fooled by like, well, a $1,200 snare has to be better than a $400 snare sound wise. Mm-hmm. That is not the case at all. So I think you should get a, a drum that maybe you've heard someone else play and you like the way it sounds. I, mean, I think that that's the most important thing is how does it sound? Or, if you just always like, I've always dreamed of having a Craviato. I still go through reverb.com mm-hmm. and I check out. And that's why on the last episode, I was trying to get you to <laughs> allow me to buy one. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, Amber gets a notification. Anytime we mention her name on this podcast, somebody's like, Amber, you should listen to the new episode at 26 minutes. He's going to buy um, something he doesn't need. <laughs> yeah. So she shut me down on that one. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think, Yes, a good drum can be an all-around snare. It doesn't matter if it's solid or plywood. Uh, there's there's bad-sounding solid shells. There's bad-sounding plywood. There's great-sounding plywood. There's great-sounding solid. And, spoiler alert, we are going to be doing this exact same comparison with plywood shells in the very near future. So, well, and also handmade by one very highly skilled craftsman. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's just find the drum that you like. I do have a caution against plywood shells in general for certain things, but, I mean, let's just null and void that. A good drum is a good drum. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. All right, next. Um, Okay, this one is from Andrew. I'm curious what you think about current entry-slash-mid-level drums versus older high-end drums. I think we already know the answer to this. Um, so he's, he says a background was recently looking to buy a second kit to lug around the gigs and, uh, so he wouldn't have to tear down his main kit every time. Um, 
So his budget would put him in the Catalina or PDP range. Okay. Uh, versus, you know, an older kit for that same price. So it's like a six, seven hundred dollar price point. Um, yeah. Mm. So what do you think? I don't know that I could find a six or seven hundred dollar used kit that I would want more than a brand new Catalina or PDP or Thomas Silverstar or any of that thing. Um, I just think that especially if it's a second kit for gigging, the hardware has improved so much on these drums mm-hmm. in that amount of time that even mid-level hardware drum, the hardware on mid-level drums is pretty amazing. So, um, but at the same time, I wouldn't rule out if you just found that find and you found a dream kit. Like if somebody was like, Oh, I, I don't know. That's a, it's a premier signia or something. Anyways, 700 bucks. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. 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 You're going to find those gems, but, yeah, I'm with you. I think the the new, I mean, entry level, no. Mid level, yes. Correct. The hardware is just going to be so much better and not worn and torn. If it's like a, even if it's like a Pro Masters from the '90s or something, I would still probably go with totally uh, a PD. One thing, one little thing stripped out can ruin your entire gig. Yeah, and cost you a hundred bucks like, to fix too. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That that's a tough one. Like, oh uh, yeah, I've got a '93 uh, Pearl Masters. Do you have a bass drum spur for that? Yeah. No, we don't. <laughs> okay. Damn. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Next. All right. Next one is from um, uh, here. Oh, this we might have already answered this. this one, Daniel. My day job is in construction management, and it's been more and more consuming. I find it a struggle every day to get home and practice after work. Stress chores, life just seem to be standing in the way. I've been chopping out social media time, social time with friends, not social media time, actual social time, and compromising time with my loved ones in order to practice. I've gotten a couple awesome gigs coming up. How do you increase or capitalize on the time in the shed without compromising relationships or life in general? That's a, first of all, really good question, but also a really common question. So many people go through that, and Mike and I are always trying to be mindful of the fact that we have very tell tell them Remy that we have very different lifestyles that allow us to play drums a lot more than the average drummer. Yeah. So first of all, I think we can just take our current circumstances and just say, this isn't going to last forever. Eventually you'll be back in the same place you were. Obviously you can get a ton of practice in now, but you'll eventually be back in your normal day-to-day life. And I think that the practice routine we just outlined allows you to fit in most normal people's three hour session into 45 minutes. Mm. It's a very functional way to practice. And in 45 minutes, you can get a ton done and you'll, you'll realize that maybe those practice sessions you were having were just a little bit more loose than you thought. Yeah. And I still think back to my very first conversation with Benny after he had his son and uh, Benny grab and just asking him like, man, is it tough? And he was just so excited at how, much less time he had, which forced him to be so much more diligent with that time. Yeah, for sure. And I think, and that, that was always a lesson to me. Like, okay, I may never have, I may not have a newborn baby, but I will have things that take priority and don't allow me to practice. And in that time, I'll have to make the most out of the time. And I think 45 minutes to an hour is more than enough for most people to get in the work they need to get done. Yeah. And I say, try to find those times during the day that you're not using very effectively anyway. Like for me, it's 7am to 8am. That's not sacrificing family time. That's not sacrificing personal time. It's time that I would be sitting on the couch, drinking coffee, watching the news. Well, let's go to the practice pad and let's focus on some stuff. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So just find those times that you're probably wasting. There you go. All right, guys. Well, if you want to send in more questions, please do. MDinfo at moderndrummer.com. You can also send in audio questions. We love hearing your voice. That just connects all of us for sure. So it is time for our picks of the week. Now, my my real pick of the week I'll get to in a second, but I just want to go back to what we talked about earlier. The website is called logmein.com, and that's all you need to look up is log me in. And do a free trial of it. I'm not associated with this company whatsoever. It's just the one I use. I'm sure a lot of you have different ways to mirror your screen and, and control it, remote control your screen from a device like a phone or an iPad. But this is what I use when I'm tracking myself and I'm here all by myself. Um, all right, so that is that. And then as far as my pick of the week, I just use this. I've had this for a long time and for some reason I just never used it. I don't even think it has an – oh, it does have a name. It's called um, the Ultimate Ears Bluetooth IPX Cable. So it takes mm. whatever in-ears you have and turns them into Bluetooth in-ears. Now, it's not just that your in-ears or your buds are in and there's no cables anywhere. It's got kind of that normal cable that's going behind your neck. It does have a controller for volume and for asking Siri something and for making calls or accepting calls. It does have a microphone built into the the cable so you can accept calls with it. But I used it just the other day on a bike ride, really enjoyed it a lot. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was actually surprised how well it worked. I've been using the Apple AirPod Pros lately because they stick in your ears really well. But mm-hmm. I actually do get a little bit of breakage in the Bluetooth connectivity as I'm riding. Like it's, I don't know if it's just that my phone's going up and down with my legs so much that every once in a while it's just kind of crackling a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get that at all with these. So it's 100 bucks if you already have in-ears or if you're somebody that plays with in-ears, but you're not piping microphones through it, you just jam to music, it's awesome. Just sit on the kit and play with your in-ears and you're set to go. You just have to make sure that you have the newer uh, connection, which I don't, I think it's just actually called the IPX connection. So a few years ago, Ultimate Ears changed their connection for their in-ears and this specific cable fits that. So it's a hundred bucks and it's called the Ultimate Ears Bluetooth IPX cable. That might be worth investigating to see if it works with whatever in-ears you have. Um, was it last week I was talking about Dream Ears? They use the same connection, so that would work okay. with those as well. And yeah. It might be the case with a lot of It other. looks I, – I mean, I'm an Ultimate Ears artist, so I, I hate saying this, but it looks generic. It's not branded as Ultimate Ears. It's on their website, mm. but it's not branded. And even the actual physical item has none of their logos on it anywhere. Yeah. So, so I kind of feel like it's a generic cable that works with their stuff. Cool. Well, I don't have a pick of the week because you just named two of them. What was that first one again? Log me in. Log me in. Uh, that is literally the website. L-O-G-M-E-I-N.com. Log me in.com. The number one most reliable remote access and support solutions for the modern business. And you might have just saved my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, buddy. All right, everybody. Hope you had a great hour and we were able just to take your mind off things for a while. I hope you will take the advice that we've given you and get on the kit and practice. If you are a part of the Mike's Lessons family or you want to be, our next virtual practice session is tonight at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We would love for you to join us. Uh, we had a ton of drummers all over the world in the last one, and it was just a lot of fun. Everyone types into the chat, all right, what's your stage one? And it's like, mm-hmm. and and you get a lot of ideas like, oh, yeah, I'll do that then. What's your stage two? And then it's, it's a lot of fun. So, uh, all right, buddy, I will see you in a week. Yeah, be safe, everyone. We're going to end this show with uh, our buddy Stan Bicknell. He sent in a track oh, that he just oh, recorded. It's, the track is called Hey Zeus. It features Josh 
Della or Dila on guitar. Sorry if I mispronounced it, but he is playing a killer shuffle groove. So we're going to let this thing ride out. He's playing the Yamaha Live Custom Hybrid Oak Kit. If you're not following Stan, which I assume you, you probably are, but he's he's a beast. Go check out Stan Bicknell, um, Instagram or whatever, YouTube. But we're going to end here with Jesus. And again, everyone be safe. Play some drums. Let us know if you have any specific questions about how to handle this strange quarantine life we're living in. Uh, yeah. And mdinfomonodrummer.com. We could use some more reviews over on iTunes. All that stuff. Dog! Wrap it up. I'm going to piss my pants. <laughs> we're on We're on iHeartRadio. <laughs> in an hour. Oh, my God. I'm right. shaking over here. Bye-bye.